Hello, welcome to Canadian Real Estate Investing Deal Deep Dive. I'm your host, Jeremy. The Deal Deep Dive offers lessons learned from Canadian investors while scaling their portfolios. If you're looking to scale your investments, listen to stories from those who have already been there and what they did in your shoes. Wilson, Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. So, for those who don't know you guys, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Where, where you guys are from, what kind of strategy you're using, and how you got into real estate investing? Absolutely. Yeah, I can start. So, I'm Jess, Wilson's wife. We originally started our portfolio in Ontario. We moved from Ontario. We lived in Milton, Ontario for about three years. Yep. Three years. And uh, we invested, we started in Mississauga, we bought a pre-construction condo, realized that that wasn't, that wasn't going to get us on our route to financial freedom. And so we kind of pivoted and went into the burst strategy and we bought a property in London, Ontario. We did a vertical split and uh, we spent enough money on the rentals as we were still kind of rookies at the game. Huge learning curve, right? And from there... We pretty much were just like, okay, we can't buy anything else here in Ontario. We looked, you know, completely out of the GTA. So we were thinking, you know, what's the most affordable province in Canada where we can grow as investors, you know, be financially free. So um, we did some studying and Edmonton was the biggest, largest, most affordable province for investing. Right? Yeah. 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 So like my wife said, we come from Ontario, started investing in Alberta. We saw the potential for growth in the market. We also saw how the laws in this province protect landlords. That was one of the lessons we learned from Ontario. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, so, so that was a very attractive offer. We tried first by investing long distance from Ontario. And we were looking for somebody to help us manage the properties here long distance. But we realized that we, it was really challenging to be able to find somebody who would you know treat the property as if it was their own nobody really cared that much at that level and it was mostly mm-hmm. of a fee kind of service so whether the property was performing or not performing they were getting paid anyways that's when we saw the opportunity of providing that service by us relocating our home in the province of Alberta okay now Jess you mentioned a vertical split for those who don't know what is that so what we did normally so to create a duplex, a legal, a legal duplex, you know, it's up and down. What we did was we split that house in half. There was a, what was it, what, like an attachment that they did, the previous owner? Yeah, so this house was a 1940s, so probably a thousand square feet, and throughout yeah. the years, the owner had two extra additions to the back of the house. So what we did is we went back to the original you know, unit, the original dwelling, and we just created a wall that would separate the, the original home to the additions so that we would create two units a front and a back unit yeah and the reason why we did this is because a lot of properties were you could in ontario basements are not commonly that tall at least older 1940s so these properties that could hold a legal basement they would go for you know multi offers and they would sell for astronomical numbers mm-hmm. just because of that but one way that we were able to buy this property under market value in such a hot market was by seeing the opportunity where others were not looking for so instead of us looking for up and down we look for an up and front and back 
kind of design and we were able to buy the property under market value in, in a market i was seeing multiple offers over you know overpricing selling for overpriced no conditions like i mean there's lineups they sellers would not accept anybody with conditions but we did the conditions yeah but <laughs> and we got rejected every single time <laughs> but yeah that's the ontario market so okay I, I do like how you guys were approaching that value add so so we'll just get into the meat of the conversation here what was the best deal you guys have done? What was the plan? What went right or wrong? And what would what do you think you guys could do different now? Um, the best deal so far that we have done would have been, we have, have a couple, but I'm just gonna focus on this one. One of the houses we bought is a duplex, so side-by-side -side for people who are not from Alberta. Side-by-side -side attached home with non-compliant basement suites. We reached out to the city, filled up a couple applications to start the legalization process. Um, in, in the city of Edmonton and this property after legalization it's got really good interior finishes that has helped us massively to bring vacancy down to almost zero percent since we have owned it just because people literally walk you know, into our units they, the common comment is oh my god this is the best unit that we have seen and to be honest with you, I'm not breaking the bank here, like no nope. simple details such as a tile backsplash in the kitchen, a tile in the bath, and you know, even sometimes putting a seventy, eighty dollar Lowe's fireplace on the wall. Those are small little details that brings emotions to, to tenants and that extra you know, addition, extra care to detail literally translates into vacancies being dropped to almost zero. Hundred percent one thing that we really focus on is providing stainless steel appliances and this unit actually has a gas stove the previous owner had like a gas hookup so we had to buy the gas stove which is fine because you know like wilson said it reduces vacancy and stainless steel i mean you want to be competitive that's that would be our i guess recommendation yeah yeah, yeah. kitchens yeah yeah if you're gonna put any energy and money into a renovation focus on the bathrooms and the kitchens for rent refinancing yeah that has been very successful strategy 100% I'm glad to hear it yeah tenants really do like those higher-end appliances and especially with those backsplashes uh, I, I've been able to see some of the stuff that you guys do with it and it looks pretty nice so. thank you <laughs> but you know what it's not even the high-end appliances uh, it's just a stainless steel so we buy the most affordable entry-level stainless steel. No secret. it's a rent <laughs> it's a rental right so even if the washing machine is extremely loud well, they're not gonna well, first of all, it's a dishwasher and a rental unit. Oh my God, for tenants. And second is, they're not gonna hear that in the walkthrough. They're gonna hear that after they have signed a lease, which, I mean, people just get used to it. Mm. Yeah, just like a train rolling through town, you just eventually, it's part of life. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> so what were some of the big takeaways from, from that deal? What are the things that you guys think of you that you've learned? For that one is, like I said, just be competitive, be, be strategic on where you spend your money. I do think that we overspent in this unit as well. In the property. In the property, uh, in renovations. I think we could have achieved the same result at a lower price point, but I mean, that's just implementation. You try something, did it work, you know, you, you implement the next deal. Yeah, so first of all, location, and when you're finding properties, location, and the second thing is just, yeah, the attention to detail. What type of customer are you looking for? What type of finishes does this customer is looking for in, the, in those units? So for us, in our case, we're looking for younger couples with pets, maybe children, but people who, are, who is their second or third place 
somebody who's going to stay for a couple of years, somebody who just graduated from college or university for the first couple of years, so that they're, you know, it's like their first starting home as a family. Yeah. So for that, we put dishwashers because we know they have kids. Well, they're going to need that. They're going to appreciate that double wall sinks. We just put those those extra little finishes to tie them accordingly with the, with the type of customer we're going after. One thing I think most of you forgot was we upgrade if needed. We put like LVP, so luxury vinyl plank. So we put like a light gray so it makes the unit look a lot bigger and it's very trendy as well right now. So. Very true, very true. Yeah. So we'll shift gears here a little bit. What was the worst deal you guys have done? What was the plan and what, what went wrong? All right. The worst. Hmm. I'm definitely going to see the very <laughs> first, the very first full duplex we bought in the city of Edmonton. Also the one in London. Oh, I thought in... <laughs> we blew the budget like crazy. <laughs> oh yeah, the one in London we blew the budget like crazy, literally. We were, like I said, we were rookies back then. So, you know, now, you know, you go to Lowe's and you see a vanity for like $200 and you're like, you get it cheaper than that, right? So we paid like $900 for a double vanity. We paid for like pine tongue and groove ceiling. Did we need it? Absolutely not. In a in a C plus area, it wasn't necessary. It totally wasn't necessary. But being rookies at the game, we wanted to kind of show who we are, White North, right? So, yeah, we we just got too emotionally involved in the property, so we were putting the finishes that we wanted for our own <laughs> home, quartz, like my wife said, all these thousand dollar vanity, and and also relying too much on on construction side of things i guess not not keeping you know your finger on the, on the pulse we were just you know sign a contract with the general contracting here's a ton of money and thank you very much we'll, you know let me know when you need more money a lot of delays happen like that once we noticed that the property wasn't getting completed as fast as we were told we started putting cameras we caught them saying oh we sent trades this week when the entire week nobody showed up Ooh. I mean, even with the tenant part of it, things once the construction was completed, we got the first couple of tenants who came in the middle of construction and they loved the place, which to me was it's a construction zone. How do you know what the finishes look like? Definitely a bit of a red flag. Yeah. But we, we didn't know at the time. We're like, okay, perfect. We got our first tenants and <laughs> a couple Ever. with eight dogs, four cats, uh, mm -hmm. and then there were a, one more dog. And I mean, unfortunately, in the city of uh, London or in Ontario, you can't really evict them because of that and they were now damaging no, this property can't. that we just put a ton of money into it so high-end everything and massive massive lessons learned learning curve yeah wait so how how are they damaging the property and why was that an issue in ontario versus here in alberta in ontario you can't uh, evict them based on the amount of pets they have for example we I, i'm pretty sure we put in the lease agreement only two dogs were allowed well guess what they okay. showed up with eight dogs and four cats there's, we can't enforce that. That's unenforceable. Yeah, unenforceable, yeah. Butters, the damage, just from the dogs, the flooring, you know, the baseboards, casings were chewed. Carpets. Carpets were, became filthy. You know, we had a carpet going down the stairs. Smell of urine. <laughs> yeah, the smell of urine and feces, it was, it was but awful. Oh, you can't, yeah. but you can't do anything about that. It's just, it's a tenant's world over there. Yeah, yeah. that's why we're here. That's why we, that's why we moved to Edmonton. <laughs> Sounds fair. Have you guys had issues like that since you have moved to Alberta then? Or? Not one. Not one? I'm glad no. to hear it. Yes, <laughs> same with us. 
<laughs> now, you guys mentioned you guys went over budget there as well. Do you guys mind mentioning or going over some of the numbers that were what the budget was and what actually ended up happening? Sure. Yeah, our budget for renovation was 120000 And by the time it was completed, it was about 160000 Okay. That, that's a fair amount over. Oh, yeah. Where do you guys think the budget, I guess, extended? The, the smaller details. Like I said, yeah, the finishes. We upgraded the tile. We upgraded to quartz. We upgraded to better appliances. My wife said tongue and groove ceiling. It was pine. By the time it was COVID, so the price of pine was through the roof. We said, okay, but it looks amazing. So let's do it. I um, mean, yeah. A $1,000 vanity. Like, everything adds up. The backsplash was like a marble looking backsplash we did a deck we were not planning on doing a deck and a fence in the backyard to separate the backyard so everything we... just added up like crazy yeah. okay you guys are keeping things more in budget now though with your current renovations yeah i'm glad to hear it yeah yes. live and learn <laughs> we, we believe that we just fail our way to success right we learn from our failures mm -hmm. and actually we're talking about this this morning and we were saying know how how I can see myself from back then and I can laugh at it pretty much and say but at the same time I'm like well I wouldn't be in the position where I am with experiences that I've learned if I hadn't gone through that so we could have hired a coach or like we decided we're just gonna you know go through the university of life and learn that way either way it was gonna cost us but yeah. for us it was more I guess our own decision to just go that way mm -hmm. yeah sounds fair what do you think are some of the biggest lessons that you have learned from that property? I would say, well, three of the biggest big ones are first budget, have a planning in place. Again, it all goes back down to who's your customer in mind and what are the must for that customer. If you're looking for, you know, high-end customer who's going to pay top dollar in the top neighborhood, yeah, those are going to be completely different finishes and costs than somebody who is lower income first place one bedroom kind of place in a rough area so understand your your, your client budget up properly properly to, to meet that client's needs that would be one of the bigger ones i have a big one a huge one know who like know who your team is really interview every single trade honestly like it may take time but at the end of the day they work for you right so if they're not doing your work, you're losing money at the end of the day. So interview everybody, check up on the trades. I know it may sound like, you know, oh my God, you're watching them. But at the end of the day, it's you who's affected. They're just getting a paycheck, right? So they, you're depending on them. The mercy is on them. So you need to be checking up constantly and ensuring that the property is where it needs to be. Right? And the third one would be follow your gut feeling. We had the gut feeling with these tenants, like I told you, it was a construction zone and they loved it. They just loved it and they put an application, here's my money to hold it. And my gut feeling was telling me something's wrong here, but my, uh, being naive and inexperienced, I was like, well, they're, they're willing to give me money, I'll take their money. So follow, follow <laughs> your gut feeling. If you don't feel that something's right, just you know, try again. We had that at one of our, our main floor suites here in Edmonton. Someone's like, okay, I've got, you know, they came to see the unit, long story short. They literally gave me like $1,500 for the damage deposit. And I'm like, cash, cash. I'm like, well, I need to go through an application process. I need to screen you. I don't know who you are, to be honest. With all due respect, oh, but I have the money right now. I need some, you know, I need a place tomorrow or 
in a couple days, I'm like, no. Like, sorry. Like, <laughs> red flags, right? So, yeah. Sounds fair. What are some of the red flags that you guys have seen uh, in within tenants here in Edmonton? One of the big ones that we follow. So, here's the thing. When we interview someone, the process that we used later on in Ontario and the... The, the, the process that we use in Edmonton are two totally different things because we're going after different type of clientele. Right. And also the loss protector is better here in Edmonton. So we are able to take a little bit more of a risk. Unlike Ontario, where if you mess up, it's going to cost you thousands. Yep. So yep. for here, what we do is we ask, for example, applicants, we ask for history of the last uh, six months for uh, you know, rent payments. When tenants start giving excuses that I pay cash, or oh, it's mm-hmm. my family member, so I don't, I can't provide you with receipts or with transfers. I can't prove you with any sort of proof that I've paid rent on time in the last six months. It's a red flag. To me, it's a massive red flag. So, no, right? It, it's not that hard. If, if you can screenshot your bank, like we tell you, you can screenshot your bank account and scratch everything that's not relevant. I just yeah. want to see the rent payments coming out of your account. Oh yeah, but my my bank account also got hacked and. And it's closed for this reason. Okay, done. That's another matter. No. Another red flag would be when... I mean, presentation is everything, right? So when you have a tenant who comes into your unit that you worked seven days a week on, you want the best tenant. So they come in your unit and they are not presentable. They are, you know, with dirty clothing, not, you know, professional the way they speak. And, and you know, just... You can tell what I mean by that is their demeanor, their respect towards a landlord. They think that, oh, well, how much do I need to pay? Well, this is the, you know, this is what you need to pay. Oh, well, can you negotiate down that price? And you're already seeing that their first impression is off. And you're just like, no. <laughs> so that is a big one. First impression. Yeah, the way that I see it, it's, it's an interview. Demeanor. It's a five-minute interview. Uh, if you're presenting yourself, like that one interview, I, I don't want to be dealing with you in a worst case scenario. In a um, God forbid court proceeding, yeah. Yeah. With the RTBRS, mm-hmm. yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that does not sound fun. <laughs> Absolutely not. You guys have also mentioned about teams. Jess, you mentioned interviewing your teams. Who all do you guys currently have on your team and are you guys looking to expand your team at all? We're always looking for, you know, new members of our team and to grow, of course. So um, we do have our own, you know, our, you know, multiple plumbers and, uh, you know, electricians, handymen that are kind of our right hand that we can rely on, we can trust, taping, tapers and mutters as well. We have cleaners that also work with us to clean our units who are super, super reliable, like you can eat up their floors, honestly. They all respect us and they know what we expect from them. And our thing is like, you know, we know they do a good job, we pay them on the spot. So we know that they're motivated to work. It's, you know, buying them a, a Tim Hortons coffee. Hey, you know what? Thank you for your work. And it motivates them, right? As well. So it's just that respect both ways. So, and always, always going to grow, 100%. I mean, we, yeah, we, we can always use an extra pair of hands. We have more work than workers. Yes. So we're always willing to accept new hands that want to just come and grow with us. And we're always looking for new acquisitions, meeting new partners as well. So, I mean, we're not, we don't say no. <laughs> it sounds fair. I don't know that's a more work than workers issue as well. So, I feel you there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
So what advice would you give to new investors in your area who are looking to scale their Great question, Barry. So what advice I would give to new investors who want to expand and grow and be financially free would be definitely, you know, network. Your network is your network. So I would definitely network with other investors. We were helped in Ontario by a fantastic group of people who, you know, you don't know something, you answer, you message them and they respond like right away. It's a small community and we need to help each other. So network, just believe that you can do it because I mean, saying that, okay, you know, I don't have capital. Well, you don't always have to have the capital. Believe that there's someone there who knows that you have the value that means they mean me, right? AKA a JV partner, right? An active and a passive partner. So believe that you always have value and you can always grow that way. For, for me, the, my advice would be uh, before you even start doing anything, find the reason why you want to jump into it. Uh, I, I've, I've always bring this into conversations is this is a roller coaster of emotions. It's super easy to find excuses to quit. It's super so, easy to, to, so feel, to feel defeated. It, there's going to be multiple moments where you're going to feel defeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your why is going to be the reason uh, or the motivation that's going to keep you moving forward. We have had days, literally days, hours, where we're ecstatic, we're the best of, of our business, and within minutes or hours, we're at the worst of our business. <laughs> and again, for back down, oh, great news again. So it can be challenging, but if you have a strong why, you will pull through. It, for, for me, it comes down to imagine yourself being thrown in a rough ocean, and you're drowning, and, and you're gonna kick, and you're gonna try to swim, and you're gonna fight, for that little bit of air. Okay, well, imagine that that little bit of air is success, success, you know? And you're gonna be thrown into this world of of real estate and you're gonna go through those waves and if you fight as hard for that little bit of oxygen, or in this case, for that little bit of success, you're gonna gonna kill it, you're gonna kill in this game. So have a strong why, believe in yourself. We have accomplished way more than, than we ever thought we would. So, so trust me, we could do it. Whatever you think you're, you're, you're capable of, that's nowhere near the, the total um, amount of, of, of achievement that you can actually achieve. And this is totally against how we were brought up too. So like we came out of that and we're just, okay, what's my life? Okay, well, my life is this, 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 right? So, yeah. Great advice. <laughs> Great advice, guys, and very powerful visualization. I appreciate it. Hey. No problem. So just before we get out of here, how can people find out more about you guys? Yeah, we are huge on Instagram and Facebook. We're open bucks. We'll just chat, chat your ears off. So Instagram, Facebook, phone numbers. We can have phone conversations, Zoom calls. Yeah, Yeah, you can follow our link. We we have our links to our uh, Calendly, both both of the profiles. My Instagram handle is wilson.real. Somebody wants to chat or has any questions, we can bring any sort of value. I can, we're more than willing to set up an appointment, set up a call, help you out. And mine is investonista.jess. So anytime, please reach out. That sounds good. Well, thank you guys. No problem. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for your time as well. That sounds good.